streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to a very special edition of the Parastyle Podcast. This is in a little homage to Reign of Troy, a car cast, a literal car cast, because we are leaving Notre Dame Stadium where USC lost 48 to 20, and we're recording a podcast on my iPhone with a single microphone and five people in the car driving back to Chicago uh, following USC's uh, very disappointing loss to the Fighting Irish. So I am your host, Ryan Abraham. We have Jack Smith on the wheel, like the literal steering wheel. He's driving us back to Chicago. Uh... He's not the designated driver. None of us drank in the press box. But yes, he's driving back. We have Shotgun Spratling. We have Chris Gervinho, the Helium Boy, the Cilantro Boy, and of course, Triple Double, Connor Morissette. All of us are in the car. Like I said, single microphone, so apologize for any sort of audio uh, issues. It's not going to be our normal podcast because literally we are in the car driving back uh, following the game. It's a little after one, well, like at one thirty local time here, uh, and it'll be, I guess, 12.30 back in Chicago. But we wanted to give kind of an instant reaction uh, besides the instant analysis that Jack and Shotgun did over at uscfootball.com, which you can check it out. A lot of content already went up on this very disappointing loss. We only got to hear from head coach Lincoln Riley and uh, Caleb Williams after the game. Uh, def- uh, Russian Jamil Mohabed was in the press conference, but it was kind of cut short and no one asked him a question and then no other players were made available. So, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley came- <laughs> Shotgun's back there. Lincoln Riley came out and uh, you know, gave his uh, you know gave his take on what was going on. So we'll get everybody's sort of reaction to what he had to say and Caleb Williams' day. Obviously, very disappointing for him. Um, you know, three interceptions, having one through the first six games, and then three interceptions that led directly to three Notre Dame touchdowns. And Lincoln Riley really emphasized the fact that you have five turnovers and a kickoff return for a touchdown, which essentially acts as another turnover. And USC didn't force any turnovers. So it's really hard to win a game like that, especially on the road, especially against uh, an arch rival. And he made it sound like, you know, this is this team is close. There's a lot of good when they play good. They can beat anybody. But the problem is, and we just haven't seen a whole lot of that good in the last four games, maybe outside of the first half against Colorado. So it was a very disappointing showing, uh, you know, that 24 to 6 at halftime. It was 17 nothing last week. And Arizona looked like a pretty good team. They went up to the Palouse and just absolutely curb stomped Washington State. But USC certainly did not play good enough to win. Now, Lincoln Riley said the defense played good enough to win. We can kind of get everybody's thoughts on that. Uh, I thought they did. I mean, they got some stops. The problem is once, you know, USC's offense started to get going, you didn't really see 
uh, the defense make that big, you know, that big play. And, um, you know, they gave, you know, when you cut it to 11, Notre Dame instantly would score. Uh, either there was one long drive, like 60-something yards. And then the, the second time, it was a kickoff return for a touchdown. So when you get it with 11, you got two scores. It's, a, it's an opportunity for the defense to get a stop. And then the offense to respond, and then you're now you're talking a whole new game. But they never were able to do that. Uh, it's, it seems like when Notre Dame had to score, they did. Only 251 total yards uh, for the Fighting Irish. USC ran a lot more plays and all that, but the turnovers gave Notre Dame a lot of short fields. Uh, and I thought USC did a nice job on defense of slowing down the run. Uh, it just, you know, they did pretty well. Like this was, I kind of agree with Lincoln Riley. This was a, a good enough defensive effort uh, to win, but you would have liked to see a kind of timely stop later in the game when USC's offense was kind of getting into it. But uh, yeah, so, so, I mean, for me, I looked at my three keys and I thought the defense did enough. Uh, I wanted to see third down conversions be better. It was a little better, six of 13, um, but they were only one of three on fourth down conversions. So that's not going to cut it. But the turnover margin, minus five as a killer. USC had a better turnover margin coming into the game than Notre Dame did. Uh, and then, man, it was just, you know, to not force a turnover. Sam Hartman had five turnover, turnovers himself last week at Louisville. USC forced none. If you want to, you know, fall to the defense they didn't force any turnovers but you can't have the offense turn it over five times and lead directly to 28 uh notre dame points so that's sort of my rant uh, i don't know if who wants to go next i'm gonna hand the mic back to the back seat and see who's up next i can go connor here i was very surprised with the usc offensive lines performance tonight caleb williams throwing the three picks of course That's not very good, and that was the first time that he's done that in his career. But he was pressured on a good amount of those throws, sacked six times. The offensive line was not very good tonight, which was my biggest takeaway. Emmanuel Pregnon had a holding penalty that took a touchdown off the board. Justin Dietrich had an early snap infraction. We saw Jarrett Kingston sort of half-tackle Caleb Williams on one of the sacks in the game. Michael Tarquin, I didn't think, played particularly well. So up and down, that line really really played poorly and against a good defense that's what you're going to get it had been showing that something like this might be happening with the USC offensive line dating back to the Colorado game when the Trojans really struggled in that second half to run the ball and gave up some pressures to Caleb Williams in, in that game and it hasn't really been cleaned up too much it was a little better against Arizona but then totally exposed tonight and that's a unit that Lincoln Riley said has the potential to be better than it was last year but I don't know how right now you could say the offensive line's performance is even close to what you got last year very disappointing defensively I thought USC did play well enough to win on that side of the ball and the turnovers really killed the Trojans on offense and uh, just an ugly ugly game I did pick Notre Dame to win this game but I did not think it was going to be by 28 points shotgun I can hand it over to you USC just had a ton of mistakes. I mean, Lincoln Riley talked about the, you know, you know, we're talking about the offense. He said everyone kind of took their turn, and that was the case throughout the night. He said he made some bad calls. Kayla Williams made some bad throws, which was obvious with the three interceptions. Uh, he talked about how the running backs missed some holes. The line didn't create enough holes and obviously did not protect Kayla Williams enough. He had some drops from the receivers. So all in all, when you add all that up, 
it, it's going to end in, in something that looks like it did tonight. You know, you can't have everyone on the team making mistakes consistently, and that's what it's been recently for USC. You've just had a lot of guys, you know, where, where a lot of plays actually where there's 10 guys doing their job and one guy not. And when you consistently do that, you're going to have issues over and over and over. And I mentioned this on instant analysis, but, you know, Caleb Williams has covered up for a lot of a lot of flaws he is you know when someone makes a mistake Caleb Williams he's like I got you I got your back and when Caleb Williams had an off night no one else had Caleb Williams's back no one else stepped up and said it's all right Caleb you can have an off night we'll pick you up with a dominant run game or we'll pick you up by getting some turnovers on defense and the defense played really well probably their best game all season um, against a quality opponent you know definitely their best game against any of the decent opponents that they played so far this season and you know but the scoreboard looks very lopsided 48 points but a lot of that goes on the offense's inability to to not hand the ball to Notre Dame in their own territory and because of that the short uh short fields Notre Dame was able to take advantage of repeatedly and even score um a defensive touchdown as well as a special teams touchdown you could try to fire the special teams coach if you wanted but there's no one there to fire unfortunately for USC um, because their special teams continues to be an issue and that's something you would like to see cleaned up but I don't know how you clean it up when you don't or you have no one to to point to to say hey it's your job to get this fixed um outside of you know saying it as a whole to the coaching staff when Zachariah Branch is not on the field or Zachariah Branch is not doing something special you kind of you 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 kind of hold your breath that the special teams is about to do something bad for USC and that came back to bite them because they had gotten the momentum back a little bit scoring a touchdown getting it down to 11 and if they can get one stop you felt like hey USC is going to be right back in this game and potentially be three points down instead they give up a 99 yard touchdown and then it went to to the all hell after that with a couple of late turnovers and whatnot uh, that al- allowed Notre Dame to kind of pad the, the scoreboard and pad the stats a little bit at the very end. So uh, you know, when, when your starting quarterback's not on the field at the end of the game, that's either a really good thing or a really bad thing. And tonight, Miller Moss was the one handing off to Quentin Joyner for the final two plays because Caleb Williams, they said, that's enough. We're going to throw in the towel. You're done. We're not going to put you out there to be uh, under harassment anymore, which is what was the case for most of the night. And he didn't handle it great. He threw a couple play, threw a couple throws that he normally doesn't make, and he even admitted that after the, the game. And because of that, USC comes out with a you know an ass-whooping, basically, from Notre Dame. And, you know, When you turn the ball over five times, you're not, there's not much else, much else you can do to make up for it, and that was the case tonight. Well, Chris Trevino didn't want to talk, but is he ready to talk back there? Is he still... Uh, he's working. He's working. Okay, so we're not going to hear from Chris. We would like to hear from Jack Smith. He was uh, down on the field there doing his uh, radio broadcast. He's driving, so uh, we'll give him the mic and see what uh, Jack has to say. Don't worry at home. I'm driving safe. Um, yeah, it was a tough one for USC, and I feel like every week we kind of talk about well, Caleb Williams does something every week that we've never seen before, and you can say that the same thing this week. It, we've never seen him lose USC a game, which is in reality what happened to the Trojans. Caleb Williams has done so many things. He's masked so many mistakes for the Trojans over the last couple of years, and this time it was just a, a rough one. Three interceptions early on. I talked about on instant analysis how the offensive line led to a couple of those, but also the decision-making from Williams in that regard was not great. He threw some throws that he shouldn't have made, and he also 
also talked about how the first interception is a throw he usually makes. It was a good decision. He just sailed Lake McCree, and you kind of felt from that moment when USC throws that first interception, whenever they don't score getting the ball first, you know it's going to be an interesting game. They came into last week as the only team that hadn't trailed, and then they get the ball first, and yet they find Notre Dame scoring an early touchdown. Uh, The defense played really well from basically there on out every time they didn't start inside the red zone. But when you throw three interceptions, it's hard to win. And when you throw three interceptions and the offensive line really can't figure it out after that, even when Caleb Williams is figuring it out, even when Zachariah Branch is making special plays and Marshawn Lloyd had a couple nice runs and the wide receivers started to get a little bit more open, when you're losing and your offensive line can't pass protect and you can't run the ball, uh, you're it's going to be very hard to win. And so I thought the defense did basically all that they could. Um, I thought the special teams was clearly one of the the biggest issues for the Trojans with that 98-yard kick return, and I said it on instant analysis. There's a game going on in a different world where USC doesn't give up that kick return, and I think it's a a really interesting finish and and a really entertaining one. Hats off to Notre Dame. They, They packed the stands. The crowd was electric, and I thought the defense did an excellent job to game plan against Caleb. Williams because they rolled into the Coliseum last year and they got good pressure on USC. They took advantage, I thought, a little bit of USC's offensive line in the passing game, but they just could not figure out how to bring down Caleb Williams. You had that Heisman moment where he's running around and ESPN's calling him the human joystick. They did not let him be anything like that tonight. I thought they did a really good job in their rush lanes, holding contain, and then bringing Caleb Williams down. Six sacks for a team that uh, came into the game outside of the top 100 in the country in sacks per game. Just can't happen if if you're the USC offensive line, especially if you're not able to block for the run as well. But as Lincoln Riley talked about, and I know as, as we've talked about already on the podcast, there's a couple plays that you look back, and if they go differently for USC, you kind of wonder where that game ended up, especially that fourth down that happened in the first half where Austin Jones was blown up in the backfield. I think that could have been a really interesting game if Pregnon doesn't hold on that touchdown. It's 10-10, and really the closest USC ever got, again, was being down by 11 points. So somewhere out there, there's a game that went different for USC, but the way that this one went, they've got a lot of stuff to work on, and I think clearly we're not prepared for the game today. All right, thanks for that, Jack. Uh, I want to talk about the offense a little bit. Um, I, I think it was Matt Leinert that had tweeted out or talked about on uh, Big Noon Kickoff that USC really had only run a very limited number of designed runs the last few weeks. It just seemed like there was a lot of RPOs. And I thought that was, uh, like, they made a conscious effort to try and run the ball. There was, uh, early on it was Marshawn Lloyd, but then it seemed like Austin Jones sort of took over, uh, and he was the guy getting the carries. But, uh, you know, Jack mentioned that fourth down, just, get you know, trying to do a fourth down run, getting blown up in the backfield before anything could even get going. It just seemed like they were trying to run the ball, and they were running, you know, specific run plays, and for the most part, it was not working. And it seemed like when the run was working, like against Arizona State, they got away from it. And then when it wasn't working, they were running the ball even more. So I don't, I don't, I'll get maybe Connor start with you and Shotgun to kind of get your thoughts on USC and the run game, and and you know what you thought of how that went down. I just go back to the offensive line with that. I don't think that the line played well enough to really let you establish the run, and Marshawn Lloyd had that great touchdown run on a pitch to the outside. I thought 
that just all year his explosiveness and his ability to break those long runs and break tackles, even if the offensive line isn't performing well, you, you saw if you give him an opportunity in space, he'll make the defense pay. So I was a little bit confused as to why Austin Jones played so much in this game. It seemed like they were really dedicated, the USC staff, to splitting carries between those two, and I'd have to take a look at the final numbers to see exactly how many carries each guy got. But we did see a lot of Austin Jones in this game, and I think with Marshawn Lloyd just – with all due respect to Austin Jones, who's a good back, I think Marshawn Lloyd is a great back, so that would be a nitpick I have after this game. Even though the offensive line wasn't great, I think Lloyd gives you more of that home run potential, and so for him to be splitting carries with Austin Jones, that was a little bit of a surprise. Like I said, though, I just think overall, the offensive line, USC wanted to run the ball more, but that line struggled, and there's a reason why the whole offense struggled and it starts with the offensive line. Caleb Williams was pressured a ton and Ryan, you brought up the fourth and one run stuff. The line consistently did not play well enough to run or pass the ball very well in this game and I think that's probably the biggest issue for the offense overall outside of some decisions by Caleb. I think when you're looking at it, part of the reason why I think you saw more Austin Jones is because I think the coaching staff wanted to stay between the tackles in this game. And while Marshawn Lloyd has that home run potential, there were times when he would try to bounce it instead of sticking his nose in there and trying to get uh, you know, a couple of yards, trying to bounce it outside and create something bigger. And I think that was, I believe, right before the fourth down where Austin Jones got got a smash in the backfield uh, J.D. Bertrand basically tackled both he and Caleb Williams because Caleb was trying to pull it away trying to pull the Oklahoma versus Kansas game I, re- I believe it was where it was a fourth down and he stole the ball away from his running back basically and picked it up uh, tried to do that again so Bertrand was like I'll just tackle both of you guys but I believe the play before that was when Marshawn Lloyd it was third and one uh, or third and two and uh, you know there was a situation where there was a there was a third and short and I remember him trying to go to the left side instead of you know attacking and getting downhill there was someone in the hole but they were back a couple yards he tried to bounce it outside and got tackled either for a loss or for no gain and because of that I, th- I think that's part of the reason why you see, saw a little bit more of Austin Jones it's interesting how Mar- Austin Jones had kind of disappeared for a little bit in this offense and then we saw a little bit more of him last week and we saw a little bit more even today um, and you know you wonder is part of that also to help out? He's you know supposed to be a little bit better blocker than Marshawn Lloyd. Is that to help out the offense line because the offense line struggles? So it does, like Connor said, it goes back to the offense line. Um, you know, but it was interesting to see how much they tried to rely on the run. And I think it was a good game plan and could have worked for them if they blocked a little bit better. I think that that's something where they could have worn down Notre Dame's defense later in the game and been able to have some success if they were close enough. But unfortunately, when you throw the three interceptions and you give the short fields, um, you know, and that again goes back to the offensive line, allowing pressure on Caleb and then Caleb making the bad throws. But, you know, when you when you allow that to happen, you know, you can't, Use the full game plan of all right. We're gonna we're gonna kind of wear him down a little bit in the fourth quarter. We should be able to take advantage if you're not close enough to to be able to take advantage of the run game in the fourth quarter. Good stuff there, and uh, I don't know, Jack, if you want to talk about the uh, run game, offensive line, a little bit, we can add to that. Yeah, I, I, the offensive line, and I know that you guys talked about it already. I thought that this was their worst performance as a group dating back to the 
Las Vegas game last year against Utah in the Pac-12 championship, and that's a scary thought considering that you know the Utah defensive line is who they have to prepare to face next week. But you know, you think back to that game and USC just couldn't get anything going, and then they were in situations where they needed to pass, and Utah just got a ton of pressure on Caleb Williams, who was hobbled in that one and couldn't get away. And I think that's kind of what you saw today as well, where Notre Dame just had really nice contain on Williams and ended up bringing him down. But we've seen this USC team a lot across these last couple years lead in games and then when they have scares it's when the defense allows late points and you're wondering whether USC is going to blow the lead I haven't been super impressed over the last couple years with how the Trojans have played trailing in games and you know it's hard to play offense when the defense knows that you only can use one side of the football you can only pass uh, basically when you're trailing Um, and you know sometimes with an offensive line that is struggling uh, Notre Dame can just tee off and then they really did that I thought in the second half now I think Caleb Williams played a lot better in the second half I thought he made some good decisions. I thought he stood strong and made some nice passes. There were some that the receivers dropped. There were some that they brought in. But I think overall, Williams did a good job playing in structure in the second half. But Notre Dame did a really good job limiting the Superman plays for Caleb Williams. He had that one on the touchdown to Brendan Rice, the late one when he Rice caught it, basically threw Benjamin Morrison at the goal line. But other than that, there were not many superhuman plays by Caleb Williams. And a lot of the times when USC has played over these last couple years, Whenever the play breaks down, that's when Williams is at his best. I thought today Notre Dame did a really good job to make sure that USC was at a disadvantage when Caleb had to play in that regard. Yeah, agree there. Well, let's move over to the uh, defensive side of the ball, like we said. I feel like they did a nice job, um, you know, overall 251 total yards for Notre Dame. Now, some of that was because they didn't need them in a lot of their drives because they had short fields. Um, but it was. I felt that was one of those things where there were some guys that made some really great you needed playmakers we saw from Notre Dame's defense they just had playmakers all over the place guys were just making plays and you know we saw Christian Roland Wallace get his hands in a bunch of balls and he I thought he did a nice job you know uh we Max Williams goes down and Bryson Shaw's gonna have to play a lot more he played pretty well I mean he made some some really nice plays you know this this is a defense that their bread and butter is getting after the quarterback and getting pressure and tackles for loss and they didn't really do a really nice job of that in this game but I felt like they you know they weren't as many coverage breakdowns there weren't huge holes all the time uh, where runners could run through now there were some for sure but um, I think in general it was a better defensive performance than we've seen uh, over the last uh, few weeks but anyone kind of stand out to you guys or anything stand out from how USC played on the defensive side yeah, you mentioned Christian Roland Wallace. I thought he had a really good game. What was so interesting about the defense was in that second half, Notre Dame, they have the ball to begin the second half. USC got that field goal right at the end, but if, if Notre Dame had scored to make it 31-6 to to begin the second half, that probably ends the game. And not only does USC get a stop, but then after the Trojans have to punt on offense, they get another stop. So I think the USC defense tonight, I thought, might be a stretch to say it was their best game of the year because, okay, it's definitely a stretch because they, you know, not a stretch to say against a good team it was their best game of the year, I don't think. Um, so they, uh, they they impressed me, but they didn't really get a chance because the offense really struggled and uh, gave them really short fields. But the all year we, we talk about the explosive plays and that's what kills USC, the missed tackles. There was only really one killer explosive play tonight and it was the touchdown pass from Hartman to, I think, Chris Tyree, a 46-yarder, I think it was. So if you give up one big explosive that ends in a touchdown, 
that's that's fine. That's okay. This defense, I thought they bent but didn't break a few times. I think it's certainly something you can build off of, and that's encouraging. And going forward, you just have to hope that the USC offense can figure things out, especially on the offensive line. And you, like I said, can build on this defensively because I thought there were some nice moments. You didn't get any takeaways. The defense, it's not really good enough to, to bail you out when you make that many mistakes on offense. But for what it's been compared to the last few weeks, I thought the, the defense, they played really well. And it's a tough uh, look when you lose by as many points as USC did. But I don't think it was the defense's fault at all. I thought Alex Grinch had a good night, the defensive coordinator for USC, and he hasn't had too many of those this season. Yeah, they played well, but the problem is that you were already in a hole and you needed some special plays. As Ryan mentioned earlier, you needed some you need the negative plays. And it would be interesting I mentioned this on this analysis, but it'll be interesting when I go back and rewatch and we go back and rewatch well, how different was the game plan as far as, you know, being super aggressive, which has been you know, Alex Grinch's, you know, kinda his MO is, is to be super aggressive, send blitzes all the time, be attacking all the time. USC wasn't necessarily that from um, you know, from field view, I mean, it didn't seem that that way to me. Um, but they didn't end up with any sacks, uh, no turnovers created, uh, barely any tackles for loss. Uh, I mean, they had one in the entire game. Tackett Curtis had one. And Tackett Curtis, I thought, played really well, probably played his best game. The linebackers, I thought, played really well. The cornerbacks played really well. As you mentioned, one explosive play. You know, they gave up the, the long touchdown to, to Chris Tyree. Outside of that, uh, you know, I thought the defense was really good, but they got to be able to get home. Sam Hartman had plenty of time. He didn't do much tonight, but he had plenty of time when they did try to pass the ball. And USC did a great job limiting the run for Notre Dame. And, you know, if the problem is USC needed them to step up and make those special plays. They needed those negative plays after those turnovers. Instead, on the short fields, they were still able to get touchdowns. You know, outside of the the very end on you know the four turnover on downs for USC and they held them to a field goal there outside of that they still scored touchdowns in those drives now they were short fields um, but you know they still gave up touchdowns if you can get off the field and only give up field goals there or at least half of them only give up field goals it changes the complexion of the game you go into the half instead of it being 24 to 6 it's 17 to 6 or 16 you know something like that uh so you know it's a much closer game and then you score a touchdown and suddenly it could have been 17 to 13 or 17 14 if they went for two um and you're you know rewriting the game it's a dogfight throughout but they weren't able to do that so that's the next step this was a great game for the defense especially after what's happened the last few weeks it's a great game to build off of but now it's time to take that next step and start creating some of those turnovers that were such difference makers for USC's defense in the first half of last season. It just has not been able to – you want to look at tur- turnover luck, you want to look at you know how they're tackling or you know the way they're playing you know zone coverages and whatnot versus trying to be more aggressive and go after interceptions or whatever it may be. You can point at different things, but that's the next step for the defense. Continue what they did in this game – don't miss tackles, which they did. They did a great job tonight of making tackles, especially someone as difficult to tackle as Audrick Estime, who's been breaking tackles all over the place all year on defenses. So now can you carry that forward? That's a big positive. I thought Zion Branch came in and played for Bryson Shaw later in the game. He had four tackles in this game, so you know that's a career high for him. And then, like, like I said, Tackett Curtis playing really well. So you got some of the young bucks are playing pretty well. Maybe they're ready to take that next step forward and help push this defense to you know continue to be better and better as the season goes on and they're going to need them to be because you're going to have tough opponent after tough opponent coming up. 
Yeah, I agree with all that. And I think, you know, defensively, you would have liked to see him force a turnover. Uh, it is, you know, when the, you have those sudden change plays and USC turns the ball over. Now, one time it was, you know, it was almost a pick six and Notre Dame takes over at like the two. Uh, so that's going to be tough. But the other ones, you know, you had a chance. You're like 14 yards out or whatever. Um, you know, Notre Dame took five turnovers away from USC. Four of them turned into touchdowns, and the fifth one was a kneel down. Like, it was basically just ending the game. You would have liked to at least stop one of them, you know, or, or maybe get another one. You know, they got some stops, and I think what we didn't see last year is, like, against good teams, you weren't getting stops. They got some stops, but you'd like to see, you know, the sudden change stuff be a little better and, of course, uh, you know, for some turnovers yourself. But I want to get some defensive thoughts from Jax, and, and we'll move on after that. Yeah, I think it's important to give a little bit of context on you know the, the points the defense did allow. I agree that you would have loved to see them not give up touchdowns in the scenarios that they were put in after the interceptions, but in the first half on the three defensive touchdowns USC allowed, it was a total of 64 yards for Notre Dame. You put into context how this defense played, they only allowed 13 first downs to the Notre Dame offense all game, which if you're giving up 13 touchdowns, or 13 first downs rather, in a rivalry game, I think you expect to win, and that's why it, it, it just hit so hard that Caleb Williams you know played so poorly which is just doesn't come around very often but I think the way that I would put it is USC's defense for the last couple years has had games where they allow the opponents to beat them because USC's defense is beating itself I thought USC's defense did a really good job not beating itself today they did not have many coverage busts they didn't have many uh, poor play calls they did not miss very many tackles Um, but Notre Dame was just a good offense at certain points when they were given the short fields other than that Notre Dame's offense really struggled. Uh, but I, I agree with all the young guys that you shouted out, Tech Curtis as well as Zion Branch. I think Christian Roll Wallace had a great game. Kalen Bullock had a great game. And Damani Jackson, I thought, came back from not playing last week against Arizona, and he played excellent. We talk about cornerbacks all the time and people in the secondary. And normally, if you're a corner, you've got a good day when your name isn't called. Damani Jackson was not around very many pass completions. Uh, he didn't miss very many tackles. I thought he locked down the, his side of the field and did a really good job. So I think USC's got two good corners on their hands, even with Jacoby Covington out, who showed he could play pretty well last week against Arizona. Christian Roland Wallace as well as Damani Jackson make up a pretty good part of the secondary, and if Zion Branch or, or Bryson Shaw can stick at that second safety spot opposite of Kalen Bullock, I think USC, with a secondary that we thought might have been the Achilles heel for the defense, is maybe shaping up to be one of the strengths if the front seven can't get home, which I think they need to do a little bit better going forward because we're talking all about USC's offensive line and its struggles. Notre Dame's offensive line had arguably, arguably Arguably, surprisingly, been worse over the last couple games, giving up 38 pressures in the last two weeks alone coming into this one, and USC could not take advantage and get Hartman down or really get much pressure on him at all. Yeah, I think one of the things I wrote about the war room was it seems like everyone USC played, they had some offensive player have a career night, you know, best of the season, best of the career, and that didn't happen tonight. So there, no one really like blew up and went off. So I think that's a, another positive for the defense. Special teams is kind of weird, and I, I tweeted this last week about um, USC probably needing a special teams coordinator. You continue to have these mistakes. I think field position isn't as important if Caleb Williams is like on fire and just scoring from everywhere, uh, converting third and twenties, or if he's doing that, okay, field position doesn't matter that much. But it did, when the offense is struggling, field position matters. And, you know, there were some good, like Dennis Lynch hits a 48-yarder that was sort of a gift after Notre Dame called timeout uh, at the very end of the, you know, after a Caleb Williams sack at the end of the first half. He was two for two on field goals. Uh, it was funny, um, one of the, you know, the 
USC spotter Bert came over and was talking about how good USC's punter Eddie Saplitsky was and 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 Connor and I were like well I don't think it was actually been that good this year he's had some good numbers but a lot of it was like lower punts that would roll and he had punted really well today it looked like so I thought that was a, a positive but man the return game uh, you have one big one um, you know getting uh, Zachariah Branch is good but the return game just so many times uh, you know, returns that would not get out to the 20 coupled with a penalty and back to inside of the 10 um you know leading to direct to turnovers it's just you can't have stuff like that where you're not starting if you can just wave your arm and take the ball at the 25 you're not risking any injury you're not risking any return you're not getting a big return but you're also not letting someone commit a penalty which usc's been doing quite a bit so i thought the field position battle they were losing uh, on the special teams aspect and of course uh, you know, you get one you know pretty big return that did set up a touchdown for USC, I believe. Uh, but then, uh, and then they switched. Uh, you know, you know kickoff guys and Notre Dame's kickoffs are going through the end zone, and USC's were not. And Notre Dame was getting better field position. And obviously, the big one, the backbreaker, uh, you know, kicking to the one yard line, kind of a low line drive kick, and then getting that returned uh, all the way for a touchdown. So, I, I, to me, this is a, an issue. When you're just scoring at will, it doesn't matter as much. But when you're not and the offense struggled, you have to have special teams and get some some field position breaks. And I don't think they had that tonight. It was a real problem. And to me, this looks like a special teams unit that if they had someone overseeing the whole thing, a full-time assistant coach, you might be getting better results instead of this kind of by committee thing. But that's just my thoughts. I don't know. What do you guys think? First, Ryan, would you calm down with the call a fair catch? When you have Zachariah Branch back there, you don't call a fair catch. You take a penalty every once in a while because he's going to do something electric on the other times. Did you want him to call a fair catch on that punt that he returned all the way up and set a touchdown? Because he could have. He could call fair catch on every single punt return, too. But no, you give someone special an opportunity to return. Now, you got to try to cut out the penalty, sure. But... You take one of those every once in a while because you have a feeling and he can be a game changer. He can change the completely swing the, the mood of a game. Similar, should Notre Dame have called a fair catch on their kickoff return? No, because they took it to the house. And that's what Zachariah Branch can do. So we got to stop with the whole call a fair catch every time just take it on the 25. <laughs> do you want to respond now? Yeah, let me Okay, so if you have big plays, that's fine. If you have three big plays and two crappy ones, I'm going to give you that ratio. But the ratio is going the other way. One big play is not worth four negative ones, which are not what they were doing. So it's if you can do it consistently, that's fine. And you don't need Zachariah Branch to break a big one. But you, if you break one a game, that's great. But if the other ones you're getting around the 25, sure. But if you get one big one and then... You know, you're starting four times inside your 15. I don't think that's an even trade. So I would say until you can get that consistent where you're not getting two or three penalties per game and, you know, three or four kickoffs that you give your yourself field position inside the 15, I'm going to say just fair, fair catch it. You want to say it and I would argue that Zachariah Branch has been an excellent punt returner, and I would never want him to fair catch on a punt unless a dude is right in his grill. But USC's kickoff returns have been very poor, and that's not always on Branch, but the blocking on the kickoff returns has not been good outside of that one return against San Jose State. So that's one where I am not 
super opposed to USC calling for fair catches on kickoffs uh, because then you're automatically getting the ball at the 25. Now, I'm not saying to stifle any opportunities for Branch as a punt returner, but I would agree with Ryan in that regard, at least on the kickoffs. But also, for USC kicking off, they had Dennis Lynch to start. I thought he had been pretty good the last couple games uh, in on kickoff duties. He could barely get it past the 10-yard line, so then they switched to Zaplicki, and he gets it to the goal line, but it's a low-line drive kick. At this point, especially in, in a big game, you have to be able to kick off for touchbacks, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think USC had a single kickoff go for a touchback today, which that is a big problem that needs to be fixed. How many yards does Zachariah Branch get? How many penalty yards do they have? I think Zachariah Branch wins. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Great point by Jack there. You have two scholarship guys, and neither of them can kick it into the end zone. That's a huge problem. To Ryan's point about the coordinator, after we talked about it on the Peristyle podcast earlier this week, I looked to compare some of the top teams in the country, what they do on special teams compared to USC. So USC just has an analyst, and that's it. Maybe some grad assistants or other people help out, but on the coaching staff list, it's just an analyst position. I believe his name is Ryan Doherty. Other top programs, they either have a special teams coordinator on the full-time staff, so someone they give a real paycheck to a lot of money someone who's really focused on it and then that person oversees it or they have multiple analysts on the staff so two lower level people instead of just the one that usc has usc just has the one analyst and then they don't have anything else so they don't really do what anyone else is doing in terms of some of those premier programs and i think year in and year out with lincoln rally the the last year and a half you've kind of seen those issues i always bring up this number but pro football focus out of every division one football team last year usc had the lowest special teams grade out of anyone and this year i probably give uh, the special teams tonight a, a d because of how bad that return was that ultimately killed them they had a chance to maybe come back and that uh, the returns haven't always killed them this year but other things have whether it's penalties or missed kicks high snaps it just hasn't been a very clean operation over these past few weeks when the games have gotten harder for the trojans and I I agree with Ryan about needing to bring someone on to oversee the whole operation. It hasn't been clean enough. I mean, you you bring somebody on. USC's done that before, and they've struggled still with a special teams coach. So it's not just about bringing a coach on. They just have to be better, and that's the issue. More so than whether it's one person overseeing it or two people or six people because they kind of divvy everything up. They need to be better. So if that means spend more time on it in practice, then they need to do that. Um, you know, that's something where you know the practices we've seen, there hasn't been a ton of time focused on special teams. And Lincoln Riley talks about all three sides. 
but they don't really focus much attention or resources to a third side. They focus a lot. It's, you know, it's 40%, 40%, and 10%, or 45%, 45%, and 10%. It feels like a lot of times offense, defense, and then special teams. So, uh, you know, that's something I think needs to be looked at too is how many, how much are your resources and your time are you investing in special teams? Because if you want them to get better, you need to invest a little bit more. Something you touched on a little bit earlier, Ryan, you know, Notre Dame has to call a timeout right at the end after Caleb Williams gets sacked, partly because their guys are celebrating. You know, terrible look for them. USC's trying to spike the ball, and they're way off sides. Um, but, so they have to call that timeout. But what about the time management from USC in this game? I mean, you're driving down. You get the ball with, I think, a minute and 20-something seconds. Uh, and you're trying to drive down, and they run the ball repeatedly and have to use burn their timeouts. Two runs in a row, back-to-back timeouts. Now you're without a timeout against a pass rush that's been getting to your quarterback, and you don't have an opportunity to call a timeout. And you're lucky that Notre Dame's defenders were doing something dumb that allowed you to get that timeout because USC was probably not going to get the snap off in time to get this and to get the snap off and spike the ball in time to be able to, to then get an extra play to run the kicker on and now ultimately it doesn't really matter but similarly in the fourth quarter USC is trailing by you know three scores and you're using a lot ton of play clock and if you hit on every single play, that works, but that's not the case. So can you get the operation moving a little bit quicker? We just The, the time management the last couple of weeks has just been a, a little bit mind-boggling from USC that we haven't seen them you know, show more you know, intensity in some of those situations and urgency to try to get up to the line and you know, save those timeouts. And the run game, yeah, I like the fact that they use it a little bit more, but not in that situation necessarily. And, I, and you probably thought, hey, we can pop one and get the first down and and then the clock will stop. But when that doesn't happen, obviously you had to burn the timeouts, and you, you never want to be without a timeout in that last sequence when you want to try to get that kicking team on there. So I thought that was something interesting as well that you know USC could have done a lot better. Yeah, I thought the time management in some spots were weird. When they didn't need to hurry up, there was a lot of hurry up going on. It seemed to screw up the offense a little bit, and then when they – when they did, when they needed to hurry up, then it was kind of taking their time and running the clock. Just some of the play calls, even in just the last couple of weeks, have just been uh, just, just kind of questionable. You're not really sure what the thought was there, Jackie. I think you had a thought on the, the time management. Yeah, I've got a couple. I'll start with what you just said, the play calling. I think it's it's really hard for Lincoln Riley to, to play call with the way that the offensive line has been playing. But also, yes, the, the certain parts of the game management, I think, could have been a lot better. One thing that I will credit USC on, that they struggled with a lot against uh, Arizona State. I think they've done a better job the last three weeks is handling the play clock. I didn't think they did a great job of that against Colorado when they were winning because they were letting too much of the play clock still be on there when they were snapping. They weren't draining it enough, but last week against Arizona, I thought they did a much better job with the play clock. This time, while they would let it run down, they didn't really deal with delay game penalties. They didn't have to burn unnecessary timeouts. So that is one small thing that we have seen pop up in USC season that they have improved, that they have fixed, and that they feel more confident with, but I would agree that they were burning a lot of time and using a lot of time on the road, trailing by multiple scores, and I think you have to credit a little bit the Notre Dame crowd for that, as well as just the way that the defense was playing, because I think Lincoln Riley 
Riley didn't want to speed things up for Caleb Williams. He needed his quarterback to be comfortable, and that's not something that we have said a lot over these past couple seasons. But I do think that USC didn't want to continue to speed things up because in the first half when things were speeding up and when there was pressure on Caleb Williams and all this was going on and they were rushing to the line to try and make plays, that's when he threw three interceptions. So I think they had to tone things down. But when you're trailing by three scores and your offensive line can't pass protect and you are taking a lot of time off the clock to make sure you're in the right play call, it's really hard to come back, especially on the road. All right. Well, uh, I want to kind of wrap this up, but we did, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we heard from Lincoln Riley. Uh, We had a couple questions with Caleb Williams. It didn't last that long, but we got to hear from them at the end of the game. Um, And just any kind of things, each of you guys, and maybe even Chris will jump in too. Something, anything that stood out to you from what uh, Lincoln Riley or Caleb Williams had to say after the game? Well, I wrote about it, and both Caleb and Lincoln Riley have done great things in the past, and something I took away, they brought that up after a tough loss. Caleb talked about Lake McCree. I threw that first interception over his head. How often do you see that? And on the scramble, interception is third one. How often do you see me make a throw like that? It it doesn't really happen usually. And then he took credit for making the mistakes and said he'll bounce back. Lincoln Riley, he finished his uh, press conference by talking about how Every time he's been a head coach, except for one, the team that he's had who's lost in the middle of the year like USC did, went on to play for a conference championship. And then he said the one time that that team didn't play, they were one play away from getting there. So he just said, trust me, I'm going to figure this out. And he said, I believe in my whole being that this team has what it takes to turn it around. So no one was throwing in the towel and they'll bounce back. But I just thought it was interesting on a night when Notre Dame did a lot of things really well, Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley instead said, you know, just stick with us. We've done good things in the past. Credit to Notre Dame, but uh, this was more about us. I thought that was interesting. I mean, I asked Lincoln Riley. He talked about how they're making all these small mistakes, and you know, ten guys are doing their job, one's not. So, how do you fix it? And he said they got to get back to work, and that's going to be the biggest thing. He said they've got to, you know, block out the outside noise. They can't listen to anything this week outside of the locker room. They've got to, you know, really focus in. And one of the other things he said was they can't let this week beat them twice. They can't let this loss, you know, carry over into next week uh, or into this week of practice and not be prepared against Utah. And suffer a second loss. They still have their goals in front of them as far as the Pac-12 championship and everything, and if they were to win out with the gauntlet of a schedule they have, then they would be right back in the mix in the college football playoff hunt. So their goals are still in front of them, the famous Clay Helton line from the BYU loss, uh, but it is true with this team, but they've got a lot of stuff that needs to be cleaned up and cleaned up in a hurry. So you can't make all those small mistakes over and over and over and say, well, this one person is just not doing it. It's just a small thing here and just a small thing there. How do you start cleaning those up one by one? And Lincoln Riley did say, you know, with some of those things, if you clean up one thing, you clean up another thing, it can flip things in a hurry uh, and turn into some big changes. And that the biggest thing to me is that offensive line. If they can clean up the offense line, things will start turning in the right direction for the offense, and if they can continue what they did on the defensive side. Uh, but, you know, th- that's the biggest thing for this. they got to get back to work, and they got to do it in a hurry. You know, cry on the way home or whatever you need to do, but once you land back in L.A., it's, it's go time, get locked in, it's ready to get back to Pac-12 play and going against another physical team in Utah. Does Chris want to do that or no? No. That's Chris Trevino, everybody. All right, we got Jack Smith, and then we'll wrap it up. 
Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Shotgun said, and Lincoln Riley said that the team is disappointed, but certainly not defeated, and I thought that was an interesting quote, that of course it's a disappointing loss for the team, but they're not going to let this derail their entire season, and I think you can draw a lot of the same comparisons to the loss at Utah last year, but the one difference for me is you come away from that Utah loss last year, and it feels like there's one big thing to work on. It's the defense, it's, you know, the defense defending the tight end and doing the tackling, but USC's offense was superb in that game. Uh, there were a lot of things that Trojan fans have and you know did point to then that they felt like USC got it wrong by the officials at, at different points in that game where it felt like a game that USC probably should have won this game did not feel like a game USC should have won and it didn't really come away from this game thinking that USC did much very well so I thought it was interesting and I asked Shotgun the question during instant analysis that we've seen seven football games from USC what can you confidently say that they do well consistently and I think after the first three games of the season after Stanford specifically you had a lot of answers to that question I think after Arizona State maybe you knock one or two off the list then Colorado happens and the list grows shorter Arizona and Notre Dame these past two weeks the list is getting smaller and smaller of things that you can say confidently USC does well so I think that they got to get back on track against Utah I don't think this Utah team is great I think they're a little bit below average uh, offensively specifically without Cam Rising the defense is obviously amazing uh, but USC does get to return to the Coliseum and as I said during instant analysis they cannot afford to come out flat like they did against Notre Dame and the last time that they were at home against Arizona in the Coliseum but I kind of end it on what Lincoln Riley was talking about which is while we talk about the schedule for USC as a gauntlet the good news for them as a team with a loss is that they've got opportunities in front of them so we'll just have to see whether USC comes out and they make the schedule look like a gauntlet or if they take advantage of these opportunities that they're calling them. All right, great stuff, everybody. Hope uh, you all enjoyed Tremendous this little car. <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris, the MVP of the podcast for sure. Um, but yeah, so we haven't done something like this really, like just driving in the car, talking on the way home. Uh, but yeah, that's a very disappointing loss for USC, of course. It doesn't count for conference play. Um, you know, it's the like Shotgun mentioned. No worries, the goals are count. the goals are still ahead of you. Uh, you know, the USC's four zero in the Pac twelve. They got some really tough games coming up, but, you know, if you get a win against Utah, you're kind of on your way and uh, kind of see where you go from there. But um, if you win out, I think they can still, you know, win the conference and make the college football playoff. But now your margin for error is very slim if you're talking college football playoff. Um, You know, they could still lose a game in the Pac-12 and win the conference. But I think at that point, a two-loss team has never made uh, the college football playoff. So uh, it's... Margin for error is not really there anymore. You don't really have uh, any sort of, uh, you know, redos in this one. So you got to go through and fix a lot of stuff really quickly and get back and get a win against Utah, a team that beat USC uh, three times in the last two years. It's going to wrap things up. Jack Smith, uh, triple-double, Connor Morissette, shotgun, Spratling, and of course... Uh, the very vocal Chris Trevino here on the pod, the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.